Hey, True Life family. This is Rob and Amanda Allen, and we miss all of you so much. We have the scripture reading today, and it comes from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We hope that these words bless you, and we hope to see everybody soon. Bye. Thank you, Robin and Amanda. You guys can have a seat. Next week, we're beginning a new series called Exodus. Because we're going through the book of Exodus. Go figure. Uh, We're going to be talking about the power, presence, and people of God. Those are major themes in the book of Exodus. It's going to be a major campaign through the book of Exodus. We're going to attempt to tackle the whole book over the course of 2021 in different sections. The first section being starting next week up until Easter. Then we'll take a break. Then we'll do another major section. Some of our life groups are going to be studying Exodus. Another reason to get involved in a life group. Our kids groups will be studying Exodus. The kids back there will be studying Exodus. So it's a big campaign. We want to get this in our heads. But that's next week. Today, we are going to finish up our series called Reignite. Turning up our passion for how God wants to use us in 2021. What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and it says us, right? How to use us. Not, not the pastor, not certain leaders, not the mature people. It's all of us. God wants to use all of us to advance his kingdom in 2021. He does not want us using COVID as an excuse to be complacent anymore. He does not want us using, uh, you know, the stuff that's going on in, the, in our country, the political turmoil, as an excuse to be discouraged and just hide underneath a rock. He wants us to be a sending community. He wants us to be a praying community. He wants us to be a healing community, a justice-seeking community. And then today, those are things we've talked about already. Today, what we're going to talk about is being a generous church. What does it mean to be a people who are marked by generosity? We're going to walk through that passage that Rob and Amanda just read We're going to walk through it. We're going to talk about what it means to be a generous church. And we're specifically going to focus on money. What it means to be generous with our money. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you guys are like, wait a second. This is why I left the church 20 years ago. Because they talk too much about money. And now my friend invited me here today. And I attempt to come back to church. And y'all are talking about money. I knew it. Y'all just want my money. I get it. I get it. I get it. Some of us have legitimately seen churches abuse money and and talk about money in abusive ways. We've seen scandals. We've been part of churches where there were scandals. I've heard stories, legitimate stories of people who experienced this where the pastors would be like sitting up on the front in this big chair and people would have to pass by and give an offering and they'd kind of like give a nod of approval. Like that's a good one. Good one. 
Like, legitimately has happened. Others of us have just seen stereotypes on shows like The Simpsons, and we have those things in our heads. Either way, I want to acknowledge the fact that people are a little hesitant to hear about money. I've been reluctant to talk much about money. If you've been around True Life for any length of time, you know we don't talk about money that much. In fact, one of the things leaders have consistently said to me is, we need to talk more about money. We need to talk more about it. We need to talk more about what it means to worship God with our money, what it means to be generous with our money. And I've been reluctant to do so because it can be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody hearing about Jesus. I don't want them to turn off Jesus because they're turning off money. But I've realized that we need to talk more about it. Now, let me, let me just state up front, we are not talking about it today because True Life Church needs money. We're not talking about it today because True Life Church is in some dire need of your money today. In fact, True Life Church is already a very generous church. Incredibly generous. A couple months ago, Pastor Jeff said in a, in a meeting with the staff, we were talking about um, money and generosity. And, and he said when he came into True Life, he was surprised that generosity was not one of our core values and he said, I was surprised by that because of how generous our church is. I'm surprised we don't talk more about it because we are such a generous church. And that stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, we are. We are a generous church. Last month, December, in one month, we raised close to 70 grand for the Great Commission Fund. That's ridiculous. Over the course of 2020, if you didn't get those finance letters already, one thing I put in there, over the course of 2020, our church, our small little church, during COVID, gave 170 grand to missions. 170 grand went out to missions. That is stuff that does not have True Life's name on it. So that doesn't count anything with True Life's name on it, any True Life ministry, even True Life local outreaches. It does not count. It is entirely about stuff that does not have True Life's name on it. 170 grand. We are a generous church. So this is not about us trying to shame or guilt our church into being more generous. And secondly, we're not talking about it today because of some, you know, fundraising campaign. I'm not going to take an offering at the end of service for a building or something like that. Maybe we'll do that in a few months. Not today. We are looking for a building, but it's not the motivation today. Why we're doing it is because generosity, giving, what we do with our money has everything to do with our relationship with Jesus. And if we were not going to talk about money, it's as bad as not talking about sex or not talking about the need to forgive people. All of those things are affected by our relationship with Jesus. Every area of our life flows out of our relationship with Jesus. And so we always want to be growing in loving our spouse, in, 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 in being godly parents, in how we handle our money. We want to be continuously growing spiritually in those things. And we would be doing a great disservice to our church community if we did not talk about money and generosity and, and what it means to be good stewards with what God has given us. So that's why we're talking about this. We want to be a generous church. We want to be always growing in being a generous church, generous individuals. But there is no one-size-fits-all to the result that we're looking for uh, with this message today. Okay? So it, it, it could be different things to each of us, what it means to be more generous. Some of you guys, maybe you give 20% to... Sorry. Some of you give 20% of your income, perhaps, to 
True Life Church and other ministries and mission things out, out there. And God might be calling you to give even more because you've gotten comfortable with that. And he's like, yo, we're going for 25% in 2021. Others of you maybe don't give anything, any percentage of your income. Maybe a few dollars here and there. And God's like, okay, I want you to start trusting me by giving 5% of your income to your church family and to other missions things. Some of you perhaps only give to people and friends and family who they know it's coming from you and they can pat you on the back and say, wow, you're so giving. And God's going to call you this year to be more anonymous in your giving. Maybe others of you are good investors. You know how to make money grow, and God's going to call you to redirect those investment skills and gifts into things that are going to matter more in eternity. So I don't know how God's going to talk to you guys today, but I'm believing that for all of us, he's going to talk to us about something as individuals and as families. And then as a church, this is the time of year when our board is looking over a budget and, and, and what, what, where things are going to go and where money's going to be directed. And we're always looking to increase uh, the amount that we're sending out to missions every year. We want to increase that percentage-wise. We want to look at where that's going. So it's a good time to be talking about generosity with our money. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to look at that passage that Rob and Amanda read from, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to pull out six subpoints. Okay, you can take notes if you want. Six subpoints about God honoring generosity, observations that I see in this passage, and then I'm going to end with a main point. Okay. So subpoints first, then the main point, and then we've got a testimony, one final testimony of what God did in 2020 that I think sort of lines up with this topic a little bit. So Lord, I just ask that you speak to us, talk to us, move us, shake us up, pierce our hearts, help us to see your word as more than just Words on a page, let them come alive. Your spirit, illuminate these words for us. We want to leave here not just with being intellectually stimulated. We want to leave here having a handle on what you want us to do with our money differently in 2021. It's in your name I pray, amen. Okay, we're going to go through this relatively quickly. So here we go. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9, starting in verse 1. Paul says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, okay? And he's telling them, I want you to know about the generosity of the Macedonian churches because he had just taken up a collection, an offering, from the Macedonian churches in order to bring that money to the church of Jerusalem who is struggling and in dire straits. And he's, he's basically going around on a fundraising campaign collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. So he's just gotten money from the churches in Macedonia and now he's going to Corinth and saying, hey guys, I'd like to collect money from you guys too. Let me, let me celebrate and use as a model of giving and generosity the churches in Macedonia. So we're learning, you and I are learning from the churches of Macedonia a few things about generosity. The first thing is, number one, God honoring generosity is a grace. It's a gift that God wants us to have. It's a gift that he gives us. 
That word grace comes from the same word meaning gift in Greek. It's gifting to us by God. This, this, this grace of generosity. Generosity is a gift by God. You don't will it up. It's something God does in you. It gifts you with the gift of generosity. It's something to pray for. It's something to say, Lord, I want the grace of giving more in my life. I want more of it. Now, some of you might be thinking, I thought generosity was a spiritual gift that only some people have and some people don't have. In a sense, yes, generosity is a spiritual gift. I do think some people have a calling to generosity in, in ways that others don't. Just like some people are, have a spiritual gift of teaching that others don't. However, in the same way that we're all called to teach, Jesus said, go make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've committed. That's, that's something for all of us to do, to teach. And in the same way, we're all called to be generous. Paul wouldn't be holding up the Macedonians as an example to the Corinthians if what he meant was, oh, they have the spiritual gift of giving. You guys probably don't. He was saying, you guys can have it too. Just receive it. Grab hold of it. Embrace it. You can have this grace of giving as well. He's holding the Macedonians up as a model because he's like, the implication is you can have that too. You can be like them. You can receive this grace of generosity. Do you pray for, can you pray for the grace of giving True Life Church? Can you ask for it? When I first came, uh, not first read this passage, but when it first hit me, um, really was last spring or summertime. I was reading through this and it just, I started to, I wrote in my journal uh, just a prayer. Lord, I, I want more of that grace of giving. Like help, help me, help my family to be more generous, to be marked more by your overflowing generosity that goes into us and out of us. Because you, you, you and I live in a culture where it's so easy to just kind of, by default, get sucked into the American dream mindset. Just easily get sucked into, it's, it's, it's so alluring on one hand and also so subtle on the other hand that we don't even know it. Just get sucked into spending our time and our money on, on things that are, are good things, Right? good grades and home renovations and vacations and, you know, movie nights and what have you, like just spending money on kids' activities and just focusing so much so that we're not consciously saying, I don't want to be generous with my time and money, but we're so distracted by these things that we just don't have the bandwidth to be generous. We don't have the bandwidth to even notice the needs out there of people. And when we do notice it, we're like, well, I just don't even have the time. I already spent all my money. I don't have it left. So one of my prayers as a spiritual leader of my home is, Lord, help me not to get sucked into that. Because we did a few repairs on our home during COVID. You know how during COVID you notice everything about your house is broken because you're home all the time? So we did a few repairs, and it's like addicting. You're like, now what can we fix? Now what can we put money aside for to fix up? Right? You just get into this. It's like, I don't want to get sucked into that. Jesus, help me. Give me the grace of giving. Give me the grace of generosity. Help my kids have that too. So that's number one. Let's keep going. Verse two. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So overflowing joy plus extreme poverty is what led Paul to call them rich generosity. 
Now, I'll get to the poverty thing in a moment. Let me just focus on the joy. That's number two. God-honoring generosity should be rooted in overflowing joy in God. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from, in other words, uh, obligatory religious guilt that your church throws on you. You know, you better be more generous. That's not what it flows out of. It doesn't flow out of the government mandating it. That's not generosity. It flows out of joy. It flows out of an emotion hmm? of joy in God. That's what was leading them to want to be generous. So joy and emotion are important. Anybody ever hear the saying that love is not a noun, it's a verb? Anybody ever hear that? I hear church people say that a lot. It's not true. It's not true. Now, I understand it's well-meaning, it's well-intentioned, because church people say that, Christians say that in response to the culture, which does the opposite, which says love is not the verb, it's only a noun, it's only romantic feelings, it's only, you know, your emotions, it's fickle feelings that come and go. That's what the culture does, and so the church has kind of pushed back in the other direction, and I think too far, and says, no, 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 it's not a noun, it's a verb, it's only about commitment, it's about sacrifice, it's about, you know, giving of yourself, and that's true in part. It's both, though. The Bible would say, you're wrong and you're wrong. It's both. It is a noun and it is a verb. It is actually verb that flows from a noun. Hmm? It flows from a place in your soul, in your emotions, that leads to a verb. I want to show you what I mean by that. Paul, in another letter to this same church, 1 Corinthians, wrote another letter, this first letter, in chapter 13 of that letter, it's called the, we know it as a famous love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. Let, let me just show you something from, get this thing out of my face. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3, let me show you something here. Paul said this, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What he's saying is I can give everything I have to the poor and it's not love. I can do the verb, the action, and it's not love. Why? Because it's not coming from the right place. He goes on to talk about love is patient, love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. It's coming from a place in the heart. It's coming from a place uh, that, that, that's settled in peace with God and has its joy in God. It just doesn't just go through the actions. When it just goes through the actions, it's religious duty. When we're just giving money away, and it's not coming from the right place. It's religious duty. It's not love. It's not God-honoring generosity. It needs to come from a place of joy. And joy in God, not joy in other things. Joy in God. Joy in who God is. That's, that's what the Macedonians were giving out of. A joy in God. It wasn't a joy in their wealth, right? Some of us might be able to be generous only when we have an abundance of riches and that's giving out of a joy in our riches the macedonians were in poverty they gave beyond their ability they 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 were struggling themselves and they didn't say well if we had more money we'd be generous which is what we can do right if i had more money if i made more money then i can be generous with my money no they, they were giving out of their poverty why? Because their joy wasn't in their stuff. Their joy was in God. Their joy was in God. So my goal today is not to get you just to start giving more money. That, that wouldn't be helpful. 
It's to, it's to be so committed to Christ and find your joy in Christ that then you want to be generous out of that joy. And if you find yourself struggling to be generous in certain areas, don't make a New Year's resolution just to be more generous. First, identify what are you finding your joy in other than God. If you lack generosity, it is because you have your joy in something else other than God. A lack of generosity is rooted in a lack of joy in Christ. Maybe your joy is in, uh, you know, you're holding on to money because of the power that money brings. It makes you feel powerful. Maybe it's this acceptance that you get from people, from certain social circles, as a result of making money or having money, right? Maybe your, your in-laws finally approve of you because you make X amount of dollars, right? Always trying to get the in-laws to approve of you. Finally, you got them. Maybe, maybe it's the security that money brings. Maybe it's certain pleasures and comforts that money brings, that that's what you're finding your joy in. When I was uh, 19, 20 years old, I was living on my own in, in Los Angeles, and I was part of a church, just had started going to this church, just had given my life to Jesus, and they were talking about giving, they were talking about tithing, and I, I remember thinking, that ain't for me. I barely make anything. I, yeah, that ain't for me. And uh, I, it wasn't because I wanted, to, I was holding on to my money, it wasn't because I wanted to be rich, it wasn't because I was materialistic, but what my joy was in was in security. I wanted stability. I had had a crazy year out there, roommates stealing from me, things falling apart, and I just wanted stability. I wanted some, I, had, I was stealing food from the restaurant I worked at. I was a mess. Uh, so I wanted stability. That's what my joy was in. I just wanted a little bit of financial security. I can't afford to give a significant portion of my income to my church. That's ridiculous. Rich people can do that. I can't do that. And then I got hit smack dab with a month where I lost some of the jobs that I had lined up. And I remember looking, I remember adding it up going, okay, I need to pay my bills. I need X amount. And it doesn't look like I'm going to be making this money this month. What do I do? Meanwhile, my church is talking about giving and tithing. And I was like, okay, hmm. So what did I do? I'll tell you in a few minutes. We'll come back to that. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So out of their lack, out of their poverty, the Macedonians gave beyond their ability. Like it, they gave in a sense that it didn't, it didn't make any sense. Somebody on the outside looking like, you can't give that much. You don't have anything. It doesn't make sense for you to give that much. And they were pleading with Paul for the privilege of sharing in this. They were, they were like, Paul, we want to be part of this, yo. So that's number three. God-honoring generosity sees giving as a privilege to be part of. Not something you have to do. Oh, dang, I guess it's the right thing. No, it's a privilege to be part of. You know what I picture when I was preparing this, I pictured those long lines that you used to see outside of a movie theater on opening weekend for a big blockbuster, right? Whether it was Back to the Future Part 2 or Harry Potter or, you know, whatever. 
You know, long line, sleeping outside, camping outside, just to be the first to see the premiere. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but people do that. Here's a photo from 1980, May 21st, I believe it was. This was the opening night. This was a line up to 36 hours they had been waiting for the midnight showing of Empire Strikes Back. Ah. Now, were they out there out of duty or was it out of excitement? excitement was it was it out of some well i guess it's the right thing to do or was it out of oh this is a privilege we're gonna see this movie we're gonna we're gonna it doesn't matter how long i gotta wait in line and whether that you would do such a thing for a movie or not beside the point my point is that's what i picture the macedonians attitude being they're like paul we want to be part of this we 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 want to we, 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 we don't want to miss out on this. We know that we're living in light of eternity. We're living in light of a coming kingdom. And there's going to be stories told in that kingdom. And we want to be able to say, we were part of that. We gave to that. We got to share in that. And whatever we lose now, yes, the storehouse of food that we had been piling up it's gone that's okay because we're living for this eternity we're living for another day in your kingdom we want us to be able to say we were part of it those of you who gave to that great commission offering in december i hope that you saw it as a privilege that you got to give to christ's mission and one day you're going to get to see where where it went and how god used it I believe that. I believe one day in eternity when there's a new heaven and a new earth, we're going to get to see how all the seeds we planted with our giving, with our generosity, how God used it. You might have somebody walk up to you and go, Tom, Christine, thank you for your generosity. Because of you, I was part of a tribe and we had no access to the gospel of Jesus. And then some woman came in from the outside to share with us. And you were one of the families from one of the churches that sent that woman through your generosity to me. And I'm here because of you. I'm here in part because of your generosity. I believe we're going to get to hear stories like that. So it's a privilege when we get to be generous with our money, with God's money, for God's mission. That's number three. And then the verse five. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. First of all to the Lord, then they gave themselves to each other. So that's number... Uh-oh, I got stuck. Number four, I believe it is. God-honoring generosity is about giving our whole selves first to the Lord. When we give ourselves fully to the Lord and say, Lord, everything I am is yours, my whole being is yours, then our money is like, yeah, whatever, wherever you want me to bring my money, I'll give my money to. Not a big deal. When we compartmentalize our faith, that's when we get stingy and that's when we, that's what I did when I was 19, 20. I had my Jesus life over here. And I gave my life to Jesus and I want Jesus' blessings on certain things. But I had a few areas where I was like, Jesus, you don't really need to mess with these areas. My sex life, my party life, and my finances, they were off limits to Jesus. Now, I didn't consciously say that, but that's kind of how I was living. 
these few areas, Jesus, I don't think you need to look in those rooms, right? But then I got hit with this month, this particular month where I lost these side jobs, and I was like, darn it, how am I going to pay these bills? And my church is talking about giving and tithing, and they were being annoying about it. And, and then finally, something was moving in my heart, and I felt compelled. I felt moved, and I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to tithe. I'm going I'm to try this tithe thing, this ten, giving 10% deal. And this, by the way, this is not a message on specifically on tithing in particular, so relax. This is just my story. But I felt, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe. But I didn't tithe 10% of what I had. Nor did I tithe 10% of what I expected to bring in that month. I felt like God was leading me to tithe, to show my trust in him, to surrender my finances to him by tithing 10% of what I needed to make that month. So which, which I wasn't, which is more than what I had lined up with my jobs. And I did it. I said, all right, what do I got to lose? I'm already broke. So I did it. And two things happened. Number one, I made more money that month. More money came in from unexpected places that month than I had ever made up to that point, which is, I know, I was 1920. doesn't say much. But still, for me, I was blown away. More money than I had ever made before. But more importantly, way more importantly, I received a peace in the area of finances that I hadn't had before and that stayed with me since. A peace that, you know what, God's got me. You know what? I can trust him. You know what? He's going to lead me. You know what? My money is not my money. It's his money. This isn't me being generous. This is his money. This is stuff. This isn't me giving back to the Lord. This is me saying, God, this is your money. You want me to give 100%. It's your money. You'll take care of me. I had this peace after that that I was just like, There's no, no, no more am I going to say, well, I have to wait till I make more money in order to... No, I can't do that anymore. God-honoring generosity is about giving our whole selves first to the Lord. It's all his, our whole lives. Either he's Lord or he's not. It, we don't, he's not Lord of some areas and we're Lord of other areas. What that means is he's not Lord, right? If we get to dictate what he's Lord of, that means we're Lord, Right? That makes sense? If, we, if, we're, if we're telling Jesus, you get to be in charge of this area of my life, but not that area, we're basically saying, I'm in charge, by the way, of what you're in charge of. It's either all his or it's not. You're either going to serve God or money. You can't serve both, Jesus said. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 6, we urged Titus, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Okay, so now he's talking directly to the Corinthians. Guys, you guys are doing great in so many areas. I want to see you excel in the grace of giving. I want to see you excel in the grace of giving. That's number Five, God-honoring generosity is something to excel in. How many people have hobbies? Anybody have hobbies? A few of you guys have hobbies, three of you? Three of you have hobbies, huh? <laughs> Some of you, maybe my wife runs, she likes to run. She's trying to increase her pace, right? When, you, when, you, when you're into something, you want to get better at it. You're into golf, you want to get better at it. I like to cook. I know, I know, I know. It sounds, 
I like to cook. I like to make something for my family. Like, how did it taste? How are those chicken cutlets this time compared to last time? Uh, mm, all right, let me try. Let me, next week, I'm going to make it again. I'm going to try to make it better. Like that's, you want to get better at something. You, you invest in something. You want to see your money grow. I coach soccer for my daughter's soccer friends. Soccer. And I expected them to want to grow, to want to improve from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. If a kid didn't seem like he wanted to improve, I pulled him aside and said, get the heck out of the field. I don't care if you're seven years old. You tell your parents that you don't belong here. I'm just kidding. But I felt that way. I was like, what are you doing wasting everybody's time? You're here to get better. You want to get better. We should have that same mindset with, with a giving, is what Paul's saying. You should want to excel in generosity. You shouldn't be complacent. Well, I'm generous, relatively speaking, compared to my neighbors. No. You want to excel. You want to keep getting better at it. You want to keep saying, all right, Lord, you've grown me in generosity last year. I want to keep growing in it. I want my family to keep growing in it. I don't want to settle. I want to be more focused on growing in generosity than I am growing in my golf swing. It's something to excel in. And then number last one, last two verses, and then the last subpoint. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So Paul's pointing them now to their Lord Jesus Christ as both a model of generosity and the source of generosity. And that's number six. Jesus is both the model of our generosity and the source of it. What do I mean by that? Well, first he's the model in a sense that we can look to him as the one who gave up the riches of heaven to suffer like a human, to put on flesh, to enter the poverty of humanity. So he's a model, die on a cross. He's an example that went first. But he's also the source of our, of our generosity. And what I mean by that is because he gave up the riches of heaven and be, became poor, we can become rich spiritually. We can become adopted into his family. We become co-heirs with him of a new creation. We, we, we've got eternal life waiting for us that can't be taken away. We've got new resurrected bodies coming our way. And so that helps us to loosen our grip on our money. Here, we're like, what, what, this is nothing. I've, I'm, I'm going to inherit the world. What do I need to cling to my money for? We've, I, I'm rich. It's like an orphan homeless kid on the street. You, you find an ho- or, uh, orphaned homeless kid on the street with a loaf of bread, and you say, hey, can I have some of your bread? He's going to be likely to say, no, this is the only bread I got. Back up off me. But if that orphan kid is adopted by Bill Gates, and then you come across him on the street with a loaf of bread, he's going to be more likely to say, sure, take my loaf of bread. My dad can get me a whole lot more bread. Unless, of course, that kid forgot that he was adopted and reverts back to his old orphan mentality. Which is what we do, isn't it? We revert back to our orphan mentality. No, 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 no. This is the only money I have right now. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm still start trying to start my business. I haven't got my business up and going yet. Oh, I'm out of work. And God's like, I, I, you're, you're my child. You're, you're my family. You're, you're going to inherit the world. I got you. And that's what the Macedonians were given out of. They knew 
man, we're so rich. It doesn't look like it, but we're so rich, we're going to give. My men's group was um, listening to a message, or I was listening to a message yesterday that our men's group will be talking about tomorrow, which, by the way, you're welcome to join our men's group. Josh Berry's leading it. Um, but it was a message uh, by a guy named John Tyson, and in it, he was talking about the early church, and one of the things he was talking about was their generosity. Just coincidence uh, that I'm going to be preaching on it. And one of the things uh, he, he was talking about was how they were different than the rest of the Roman pagan world in the sense that um, the, the pagan society was very promiscuous with their body, right? They kind of gave their body away freely in a sexual way, but they were stingy with their money. The early Christians flipped that upside down. They became very stingy with their bodies. It was like, only for marriage. I'm only having sex with my marriage partner. But they became very promiscuous with their money. You can, anybody can have my money. And it, was a, it marked them in contrast to the rest of society. And he coined this phrase that kind of just stuck with me yesterday that I, that when I was listening to it. Uh, he was basically saying, you know, they were a people who couldn't keep their wallets in their pants. I love that. Where the rest of culture is marked by they can't keep their private parts in their, pa- in their pants. The church is called to be a people who are pure sexually, only for marriage, but they can't keep their wallets in there. They're always wanting to give away their money. I love that picture. So that's my main point. We want to be a generous church because our God is the ultimate giver. He gave us his son. We get to inherit the world. We've got new bodies coming our way. We're so rich. We can't outgive God. He is such a giver, blessing us with his supernatural joy and peace and, and power. And so it's out of his generosity in us that we can be generous. So let's be a people who can't keep their wallets in their pants who want to give away freely. Let's be marked by generosity. I want to end with a story, a testimony, Frank Martinez's story, in fact. Now, when we, when we got people's stories uh, at, at the end of 2020, what God did in 2020, um, we weren't trying to line them up with particular sermons, but different topics just sort of either directly or indirectly lined up with them. Uh, and so I thought this one kind of ties in somewhat well with this topic. So we're going to watch Frank's testimony, and then we're simply going to end service by having Frank pray for some of us. Okay, so take a, take a look at the screen. beginning of 2020, uh, uh, I, I own my own business, uh, I drive, I drive for myself and, you know, pick up passengers, uh, I can make a lot of money doing that, especially in New York City, so that's what I've been, been doing for about the last 20, 22 years, you know, I had my own customers, you know, I've made good money, I, I didn't even see my family. My, uh, my time was mostly in that car, you know, chasing money, chasing money, because I knew that if I didn't have people in the car, I wouldn't make money. Often I'd stay in New York City. Uh, I did have a, a place in, in the city, so I would stay there. The girls might have twins, and like, where you going, Dad? I said, I have to go to work. You like to eat, right? You like to have a roof over your head. That's what I used to tell them. 
because that's all they knew me as at work. You know, zip, 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 that's all I did. Come home, sleep, eat, go. Uh, my relationship with Jesus was real basic relationship. It was, thank you, Lord, for waking me up, put some Christian music on, and maybe every once in a while listen to the bridge. No, and I wasn't paying tithes. I wasn't, I wasn't trusting in him. When the pandemic hit, everything stopped. So with that, every, you know, my whole life stopped. My whole system stopped. Everything that I, you know, I counted on, everything that I, I trusted in completely stopped. I thank God that I was, I was linked into true life. You know, because true, God used true life for me. The Lord truly used, you know, the life groups and my wife, the instrument in my life, to direct me back to Him. I just started picking up the Word. I picked up the Word, and me and my wife sit at the table, and we start reading the Word, and before you knew it, I, I mean, I just, I, I, seen, I, I seen and felt His presence in my life. You know, it wasn't... A magic thing. It was just something that that you could feel it, you could see it, you could sense it. And I sensed it in my presence in my home. You know, I, I started you know putting verses on the refrigerator, on the door going in and out of the house. You know, I'm praying over my kids. You know, I didn't even know my kids. You know, before this pandemic, really. I mean, I knew them, but I didn't their personalities. You know, just spending time with them. You know. Through the pandemic, we even started doing game night. And we were playing, video, uh, not video games, but board games. And hanging out with each other. And having dinner together. And just being a real family. You know, teaching them about God. You know, like giving them stories about God. But before that, I, I was just in and out of the house. I have not yet been without, as you can see. <laughs> Never been without food. Never been out without the electric. Yeah, I mean, the system helped a little bit because... Unemployment, they accepted me, and that helped me a great deal. I was able to pay my bills. First things first, tithe. Tithe, pay my bills, and, and save a little bit of money. And then, of course, they stopped giving us all that money. <laughs> they dropped us like, like a bad habit. It was, it was, that was tough. But we still, because we put some money away, we were able to pay our bills, and it wasn't such a struggle because because God man I would have spent that money because that's what I that's what I did I make the money spend it make the money spend it that's why I was chasing it so much but moving forward I mean God taught me in my heart save it what are you what are you spending it on additional to him providing for me financially he actually provided rest for me in him this is not my home and I realize that now, and I, can, I, I can see it, you know, and actually, actually the older I get, I can see it even more. You know, this is not where I belong, this is not my, this, I'm just here for a minute. Life is like this, man. I'm not just somebody that goes out there and just makes money. It's not, that's not what, he wants more from me. He wants me to be a person that shares his, 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 his good news. I mean, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be selfish with what he's done for me in my life. I'm supposed to give it away. I'm supposed to tell people about how good and gracious and how loving he is. My prayer is more of you, Lord, less of me, because 
you are doing a great job. <laughs> Me, I do, when I put my finger on there, it's, it's, it never comes out okay, when I, but more of him, less of me. For anybody that's worried about their finances, my suggestion to them would always be to tithe, at least 10%, because God is, is amazing when it comes to finances, because that's the only thing he asks, he, he actually tells us that we can test him on. I would say take time for the Lord. And you know, sometimes we gotta start with 10 minutes and allow it to grow. You know, just like how our muscles or, you know, like if we're, we're trying to do something in our lives, you know, we don't know how to do it at first, and, but practice makes perfect. And start with 10 minutes and then 20 minutes and then 30 minutes. And before you know it, I mean, it's an hour. And you don't even realize the time that goes by when you're in his word or you're in his presence, you know, like sitting with him, talking with him. You know, he knows, he knows, he knows my faults. He knows my, my needs. And sometimes I don't even ask him for anything. I don't want to ask him for anything. I just want to be in his presence. God used COVID for me to see who he really is in my life. Can we stand? Frank, can you come on up here, bud? I'm not going to end with any songs. Just going to end with Frank praying over us. But come on up here, buddy. Thank you for being willing to put your story on there. I just want to ask if there's anybody here, we're family. Put your hand up if you're somebody who needs to experience a deeper rest in God, particularly when it comes to the area of finances. Whether because there's a lack, you're waiting on him to provide, maybe there's a job situation that there's a little stress, direction, whatever it is, just put your hand up if you're just, you need that rest that Frank experienced this past year where God drew him to himself. Just put your hand up. Okay, there's one, two, three, four, five. Keep your hand up because Frank's going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Father God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love, Father God. Lord, we ask that you just bless the people that need your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to be upon them, Father God, for them to realize who you are in their lives, Father God. May they rest in you, Lord. May they trust in you, Father God. May, may we all trust in you, Lord. Father God, we ask that you just give us the ability to just start by a little, Father God, and see what you do in our lives, Lord. Father God, because... You are the master of our lives. You just, Father God, you are just so amazing, Lord. This is the thing that you ask us to test you on. It's the only thing that you say, test me, and I'll show you. May we just trust in him and let him show, let, 
Let your spirit show what you are in us, Lord. Father God, we ask that you just take a covering and put it over everybody in this room, Father God, and outside this room. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you. And in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.